Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're glad that you have picked this podcast among the many options to listen to for your student ministry stuff. Uh, We'd also love it if you would leave a rating and review. Take a few seconds, go and do that. It helps other people find the podcast when they search for student ministry content. And it lets us know what you think so that we can keep getting this thing better for you. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood. As usual, in the studio with the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. Uh, So we just, we are, we're wearing, you can't see this because this is an all audio medium, but we, I've just now realized when you did that, that we are wearing the same sweatshirt. I just realized it too. Wow. Same hoodie, everything. (laughs) We have our support your local youth pastor hoodies on uh, because it's hoodie weather in Nashville and it is is the best. I I don't know if we've said this on the podcast before. Um, My, uh, my favorite weather is shorts and hoodie weather. Ooh, okay. okay. Like when you can get a little bit, like it's not so cold that you've got to go full pant, mm. but you've got little shorts and hoodie. It doesn't last long here. It's maybe like no, a week quick. or two. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm super excited about our guest today. Uh, we have, I'm going to introduce uh, her and then we'll jump right into conversation. Today we have Crystal Mazuka. Uh, she is the director of kids and families at Westwood Baptist Church in Olympia, Washington, which I bet shorts and hoodie weather lasts even shorter there. If, if Well, you know, what's funny is, is you're saying that and I have two teenage sons. And so for them, it's shorts and hoodie, hoodie weather like year round. It could be 90 degrees. It could be 30 degrees. And that's what they're going to wear. So that's so good. I, yes. I have a 16 year old and that is an accurate statement in our home too. I'm like, man, don't you want to wear anything else besides like athletic shorts? It's like, no, I'm good. Um, so <laughs> Crystal serves uh, as the director of kids and families there in Washington. She has an MA in Christian education administration. Uh, passion to encourage and equip leaders to impact the next generation for Christ. She's an active member of Ministry Boost and the International Network of Children's Ministry Communities. She, uh, she blogs for Lifeway Kids and the International Network of Children's Ministries as well. She's an INCM coach, graduate of Bethel Seminary Engage Family Ministry Certification Program, loves reading, going to the beach, playing video games with her three sons, which we are going to talk about in just a minute. We're, we're going to, I've got to hear more about that one. Uh, <laughs> loves writing and published a YA Christian fiction novel. Crystal, what do you not do? You, you, you do a lot of things here. Um, I don't hike. <laughs> just so I love you know. it. <laughs> and I live, I live in a state where like hiking feels like it is the local sport. Everybody hikes and I absolutely positively hate it. Do not ask me to go. I will say no a hundred times. I don't like hiking. Yeah. So I was going to say Olympia, Washington, you're a beach person, not a mountains yes. person. So yes, have, absolutely. did you grow up in Washington or how did you, how did you I get did there? Not, I actually grew up in Las Vegas, and so no real natural beauty there, right? I'm not hiking. I'm not going to the beach. I'm hanging out, swimming in the pool in my backyard because it's 130 degrees outside or whatever, but uh, ended up coming up to Washington State for college and quickly realized I tried the hiking thing for a while because everybody would ask you, but no, it's not for me. (laughs) Not for you. A lot of sand in Vegas, and it's just not the beach kind of sand. No, (laughs) no, not at all. Not at all. Well, um, 
Uh, we're excited that you're here, uh, and we'll, we might say more about this in a little while, but uh, Crystal and I first met through a super secret project that we're working on super together. secret. <laughs> yeah, so Crystal has come on uh, board in a uh, contractual relationship with us and the kids team here at Lifeway to work on said super secret project and advise us and help us get on the right track. And, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about, so you have student ministry experience, kids ministry experience, mm -hmm. and now you lead family ministry at your church. So you are the perfect person for us to have this conversation with. Uh, and we are, we're going to talk a little bit about bridging the gap between those two ministries Mm -hmm. taking a strategic approach to family ministry and next-gen ministry. So let me start just with a basic question of, um, do you remember a moment where God kind of began to give you a passion for next-gen ministry? Or has that always kind of been there as you have, as you've led? Yeah, you know, I would say there definitely was a bit more of a moment for me. Um, my, I actually have way more experience in student ministry than kids ministry. Um, I started volunteering in Young Life when I was like 18 years old. Yeah. And um, from there, just started helping out with youth groups at church. And so I have such a heart and a passion for student ministry and what those relationships look like for um, teenagers to have caring adults in their class in their in their lives and um my move into children's ministry came kind of in step with me being an elementary school teacher um i liked hanging out with students on sundays but i didn't want to teach them all week long so <laughs> i went with kids during the week and can't um, blame you there yeah just just really realizing that that moment um where you have these kids that you have had in ministry for so long and knowing that student ministry is this just incredible place for them to land, but seeing how terrified they were to make that transition, not just them, but their parents as well, because it is so different and so much else in life is changing between like where we are from fifth grade to sixth grade. It's like night and day different. And I just realized, you know, this, this is, this isn't really a, a hand off, but it's a hand together type of a thing that the best way yeah. that we could approach it is to say, just because a kid isn't quote unquote in our department anymore, doesn't mean we don't care about them anymore. Doesn't mean we don't care about their parents anymore, but we just need to be wrapping our arms around the whole family for all the time that we have them with us. And so, um, yeah, that's just kind of, that's just kind of how that, that mindset change happened for me. I love the language there of hands together instead of handing them off. Yeah. Um, so what are, as you think about that, what are some things that kids ministry leaders and student ministry leaders can do to work together during that transition period? Because you're right. It's terrifying for the individual kids also mm -hmm. the parents. Um, I, I've never served as a kids ministry pastor, um, but in the student ministry side of things, it always took until about January or February for those new sixth graders to really get their, their legs under them in terms of right. now, I, now I'm in middle school. And that first semester can be really, really difficult. So what are some things that 
those two age groups can do together, can work together to help that transition feel a little more smooth. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you say that it, it feels like it takes until January. So to me, what that says is that January should be the January before is when the transition starts. When yeah. you think about that, so again, where I'm at, it's fifth grade to sixth grade. I know some places it's sixth grade to seventh grade. The the first talks, the first um, relationship building with people, the first time they meet the youth pastor, their new their new leaders should not be that very first Sunday or Wednesday that they're in student ministry. Yeah. We need to have a slow buildup. And so if there is a way that you can utilize that last year or that last six months that those kids are in kids ministry to start to introduce them to the new people and the new environment. Um, some things that we have done here, like if you don't regularly have small groups, you start having those fifth graders be in small groups together. So they're starting to recognize what that is to, to sit in a circle and do ministry in a circle versus doing ministry in lines and just getting yeah. talked to. Um, we can do things where we are inviting in those middle school leaders to come and meet the kids early. Maybe they come on a Sunday and they're hanging out that day. Maybe you have a lunch after church, but you're just starting to build that relationship early. So they're already starting to feel like in student ministry, they have somebody in their corner. Um, we'll also do things in the spring and into the summer where we're inviting those fifth graders to do things with the sixth grade youth group. Um, you know, whether it's sitting just in class on a Sunday or you have a fun pool party on a Wednesday or something like that, but just continually to have these opportunities so that transition in a way lasts longer than just this abrupt, you're here one week and the next week you're somewhere else. And then after it's happened, um, I would say the same way that you invited those middle school leaders down into kids ministry, it's okay to let the kids ministry leaders come a week or two and like check in on those kids that are there and even yeah. letting them know that just because you're no longer in my ministry doesn't mean I don't care about you anymore. Like I want to know how you're doing and I want to celebrate you in this new space that you are. And so really just helping that transition time to last longer and have more people involved in it, I think really sets up kids for a win. I really like what you have to say about the leaders continuing to have a connection point, uh, even after they go to the mm -hmm. new, to the new ministry, because those are the ones that have the, the, the close relationships. Those are the ones that have spent the most time with them. And for there to be overlap in a familiar face, checking yeah. in can, can yeah. mean a whole lot. We've, we've talked before similarly about the transition to college after high school Mm -hmm. and senior 12th grade small group leaders staying connected, checking in with those college freshmen through, you know, the first semester of their college life and how big of a difference that could make in them staying yeah. connected to a church somewhere. But I love the, the same kind of approach going from kids ministry to student ministry and having those familiar faces of leaders that they know just pop in and check in. I think sometimes in churches where there are staff people, maybe the two main leaders, the kids ministry person and the student ministry person stay connected and maybe they do a good job of relationally and maybe they mm -hmm. like 
you know, they do some of the things you mentioned where they, the student pastor would go spend time over here. The kids ministry leaders, kids pastor spend time over here, but the small group leaders, I think is a really key missing part of that. I love that you Mm -hmm. said that. I, I want to go a little off target for just a second because, uh, you mentioned that you first started in ministry through Young Life. And that's how Mm -hmm. you kind of began serving in student ministry. Uh, We have a vibrant Young Life program here in where where we are uh, in Middle Tennessee. And I know that's obviously they're all over the place. Um, Some Young Life groups do better at connecting students to local churches than others. Mm -hmm. What are some things I would love to hear so you've, you've been both at Young Life and served in local church staff. I would mm-hmm. love to hear some advice that you would have for student pastors to say, hey, here's how you can be involved in Young Life. And right. actually the local church reaching out and saying, hey, we want to help you. We want to partner with you to reach kids in the community. Uh, what would you What would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think probably the biggest thing is to recognize that we're all on the same team. Um, it can too often feel like churches and parachurch organizations are battling with one another. Um, if you've got a church and your youth group is small and there is this thriving young life um, that is happening at a school down the street from you, it can feel very threatening. And here is the thing. We are all trying to connect kids with Jesus. And so yeah. let's celebrate one another. If that young life is where kids are hanging out, then you should go and hang out there. You should make that connection. The same way that we're saying that it's going to help these, you know, elementary kids feel more welcome in the middle school space if they feel like they already know somebody, those young life kids would feel way more prone to coming to a church if they already know somebody. And so find ways to connect. Now, I'm not I'm not sitting here telling youth pastors they all need to go get involved in their life because I'm sure many of them are working 60, 70 hours a week sure. and they're like, I yeah. cannot do another thing. So maybe that looks like suggesting some of your volunteers go and help in your life. Or maybe it's opening up your church to Young Life activities. If you've got a great gym, if you've got a sanctuary that's got a great screen and you've got a license to show movies, like tell the Young Life, I would love for you to bring people over here. So those kids become familiar with your church, but it's it's really just saying, how can we join together? Because we really are on the same mission. Yeah, I love that. And our, uh, the leaders that that are that lead the young life here in middle Tennessee in the Hendersonville area where I'm at are phenomenal. Like they're, they have mm. such an incredible program going. They reach a lot of teenagers and their heart is to reach them and see them connected in discipleship and connected with yeah. churches. And it is, it's really special, the young life here. And so I, you, you had mentioned that. And so I wanted to follow up because I know sometimes you named it, but sometimes there can feel like a little bit of a competitive spirit mm-hmm. or some, mm-hmm. I mean, some jealousy maybe even in some situations. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. And I'm glad that you, that you said what you did because it is a team. We are all on the same team. We are, yeah. we are all trying to get there. Team Jesus. Uh, yes, that's right. And sometimes that, that happens in kids and student ministries in the church too, there can sometimes feel like a little bit of 
well, I'm doing this over here and you're doing that over there. And there's not a whole lot of togetherness, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a moment where, or in two parts of the church that really should be the most connected. So Crystal, what should student pastors know about kids ministry today that can help them prepare for kids that are coming up and even minister to students that that they have right now? Yeah, absolutely. And I I really appreciate that you're asking that um, because I think sometimes kids ministry can feel a little bit like we're just seen as like, oh, we're just, you know, keeping them busy until they they move into student ministry and the real discipleship happens. But you know, which is a terrible thing, by the way, yes. because I, if I'll let, let me camp out for just a second, because <laughs> go ahead, it gets under my skin a little bit because student ministry, like student pastors would hate the same thing to be set. Like it's just babysitting. Right. And that is that is levied against student ministry as well. So for then student ministry leaders to take the mindset of real discipleship starts happening in the teenage years mm-hmm. is saying the same thing that we really push back against when people say it about us. Absolutely. So um, it is a continuation of discipleship. Yes. It is for student ministry is not the beginning. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That in kids ministry, we, we sit there and we watch these teenagers get baptized and we're like, you know, just so you know, <laughs> we really helped with that, you know. Um, totally. Yes. One thing that I think is really unique about kids ministry right now is that we are living in an age and a culture where these hard things that teenagers are dealing with, we are seeing kids younger and younger and younger are struggling with it as well. When you think about how much um, identity and belonging and meaning, like we're seeing teenagers that they're struggling with that. And I think every youth pastor that's listening to this, every youth pastor around the country knows that they need to speak into this. We are doing that in kids ministry as well, because we are seeing them ask these questions. We are seeing them struggle with it. And so know that we see you and we know that it is hard right now because it's it's starting early. We're having yeah. kids as early as third grade, second grade, just questioning their identity and how God has made them. And we are doing everything that we can to lay this solid foundation that says every single child that walks into our building, every single child in our community is seen and is known and is made with an amazing purpose by a creator who loves them and will always Mm. be there for them. We are laying this foundation. So hopefully when they come into student ministry, you guys are really going to drill in on that, but it's going to be something that's already familiar. And so be praying for us as we are trying so hard to start those conversations now so that when you do it, it isn't the first time that they're hearing it and be praying for us the same way that we're praying for you because we're having to have these, have these hard conversations too. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of things there in the kind of the shared struggle between students and kids of belonging and identity and Uh, that's really at the heart of the, the super secret project that we've been working on together. (laughs) Um, 
And so I would love just for you. Uh, so I'll, we'll, we'll let a little bit out here. So uh, this is a project that is going to be uh, kids and student ministry together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kids version, student version, but aligned in approach and language and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, that all centers around some of those things that you talked about in directly attacking the belonging and the identity struggles and saying, this is who God made you to be. And this is who you are. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear just some of the things that you get excited about in relationship to the, the new thing we're working on. The super secret project. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think that one of the things that gets me really excited about it is that it's really giving space for kids to explore and discover together rather Mm. than just being talked to or talked at in both the kids and the students space of it. um, The strength of it lies in the, the group time. It lies in being able to have conversations with one another in conversations with the leaders where there isn't this assumption that we're just going to have a Bible story and um, we're going to ask you questions about the Bible story, but instead it's going to be connecting everything that we're talking about when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to scripture and connecting hearts to it, you know? So we, we read these amazing accounts of Jesus. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for the life that you're living right now? What does that mean for the struggles that are going on in your life? What does that mean for the questions that you're asking about existence and about culture and about your surrounding? Because again, I'm, I'm using these big words because it's a student ministry podcast, but kids are asking these as well. Yeah. And yeah. so there is so much strength in saying that we are going to explore together what it means to be followers of Jesus. We are going to explore together who God says that you are and what that means for all of your days. And it's just going to be amazing because one of the things that got me so excited about it when I first heard, and especially that it's kids and students together, is I am picturing those families like mine where I have kids in both areas. I have kids in kids ministry and I have kids in student ministry, and we're going to be able to sit around and have conversations together at our table, in the car, whatever it is, because it isn't about having all the right answers, but it's about following Jesus together. And I'm just, oh, I am, I am so excited (laughs) for that, that partnership between kids and students and what it's going to mean for families as a whole. So, (laughs) yeah, I, I agree with you. We are very excited about it as well. And even though the learning environments might be different uh, Mm -hmm. between kids and students, those conversations when they come back together in the car ride home or around the table, like you mentioned, can be really significant. And uh, so you're going to hear more about this in January. The the cat will be let out of the bag, I guess, uh, in January. So that'll be exciting. (laughs) Um, We have one more question for you, but before we get to that, uh, I want to know what games you play with your kids. Okay. So, and you know, I did say video games. We, I'm way more into board games than my kids are, which is heartbreaking. All I want <laughs> is like these epic Catan battles, but nobody nice. wants to play with me. 
Um, that's okay. So we are a big Nintendo Switch family and okay. love playing all the games on there. So um, Mario Party, Mario Kart. I am the worst at Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> however... I'm a lot of fun to play with. And so we love just playing those side-by-side games. We just got, they put out a new um, Switch Sports, which was like Wii Sports was back in the day. And the best thing about it is they have bowling again, but you can actually all bowl at the same time. So it's way more enjoyable Mm -hmm. because you're not sitting there waiting for other people to go. You're all just doing it together. So um, we really love those games where we're all playing together and, and, and things like that. So Yes. Yeah. And I like, I also like watching them play games like any Zelda game. I, I could watch them play and give my opinions of what they should do, but I don't <laughs> want to do it. I don't play games where I can die. So, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, maybe soon they'll uh, develop a, a love for Catan. And- you know what? A, a girl can hope so. <laughs> That's right. Well, I know some people around here that uh, enjoy playing board games. So if you're ever in town and and want to try some things, there is a board game group at Lifeway that uh, oh goodness that enjoys gracious. it. So that yeah. is enticing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, here's the this is like a big question and. Um, I don't like, I think entire books have been and can still be written on this topic. So, uh, I figured we could just tackle it at, at the end of a podcast oh, and be sure. okay. I'm not sure we can. <laughs> what does strategic next gen ministry look like? So that's the, <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh when I say it because I know like you're in a seat at your church where you're doing this, where mm-hmm. you are saying, okay. I I am the director of families here and we've got to make sense of this. We can't have kids going this way and student ministry going this way. What do we do? That's, that's going to help families and lead people to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, So talk from your experience, having done both age groups and now leading everything. What does it look like for all of that to be strategically moving in the same direction? Right. Well, I mean, and I, I think that first off, the key there is that word strategic. It's not something that's just going to happen naturally. As much as we would love it to, as much as we would love it to say, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, we're all doing our best and it's just going to happen. It's not. We have to actually make intentional choices that say right. we are going to have a next gen family strategy. And so the other thing that I would say about it is that there really needs to be a holistic look at every aspect of the ministry because too often, especially with next gen, especially when it comes to anybody that is under 18, that's not an adult, they can't become a member, right? We're just like, okay, so, you know, kids make sure that you're teaching the gospel centered on the Bible. Students make sure you're teaching the gospel centered on the Bible. And then when they become adults, we're going to disciple them. It'll be great. Um, we need to be doing that, but we also need to be empowering our people with a heart and a vision that says the next generation is the now church. They're not Mm. the next church. They are the now church. So every single adult in our church 
is invited to have some kind of impact on the next generation. I would even venture to say they are called to serve mm. the next generation. And so we, if, if it is only kids and students that believe in this, we need to be shouting it from the rooftop, banging down our senior pastor's door, talking to the elders about it, that we need to get the whole church excited about the next generation. And then the other thing that I would say is that we have to make sure that we are not focusing just on the kids, but we've got to be focusing on these caring adults in their lives as well. You've got parents, you've got grandparents, you've got foster parents, aunt and uncle, all these people that are bringing the next generation to church. They need encouragement. Mm. They need resources. They need support. They need the church to wrap their arms around them because the bottom line is they have way more time and way more influence in the next generation than we do as the people who work at the church. We are so passionate about that hour, two hours, three hours a week we get with them. But these other adults, they have all the other time. So what are we doing as kids ministry, student ministry, next gen, whatever, to wrap our arms around the whole family? And so that would be that would be the first chapter of my book, <laughs> the strategic <laughs> ways to uh, reach the next generation. So, well, I'm buying it based on just the first chapter. I I think you're totally right that listen. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Yeah. And your very, your very first point is basically, you know, this isn't going to happen naturally. We have to actually talk and plan. Yeah. Like you, you, you have to actually say, what is the end goal and how are we going to get there? Totally. And I, I think that's kind of where a lot of places stop that is that we, we don't like, we may communicate about calendar. We may communicate about mm-hmm. budget. We may communicate about the welcome to sixth grade lunch that happens or dinner or whatever. And, but that's, that's kind of where it stops, Mm -hmm. but to really have that strategic, we're all together and moving in the same direction. It takes a a lot of intentional getting together and what, like you said, a holistic view and maybe even the willingness to change some things around and stop doing and start doing in order Mm -hmm. to make it happen. You also mentioned something that I want to ask a follow-up question on, and that's the the banging down the door of the senior pastor and making sure the elders are on board and all of that. Um, it takes that. It yeah. take this is a whole church approach. It really uh, is. So, how can a kids ministry leader, student ministry leader, like let's set the stage of they're together on this. They want this to happen. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that they could lead? up to help a senior pastor catch the vision of, of a strategic next gen ministry? Yeah. You know, I would say that it definitely starts with, um, first off, if you are in the place where the the kids ministry and the student ministry is on the same page about this, like you are, you are already set up. I would yes. say, yes, <laughs> like, like so much of the work is already done. So, um, if you want them to catch the vision, you have to be able to cast the vision. And so you have to work together to come up with compelling language, reasoning. You have to be able to give an argument that nobody could fight against. Now, um, I am, I, I don't want to toot my own horn on this, but that certificate program that I did that you mentioned, the, the yeah. family ministry certificate, 
one of the great things that came from it was it gave me the language to be able to communicate this Mm. vision and the values of it. And so I was able to do a presentation to my senior pastor and all of our staff that just says, this is why we need to have a family ministry approach. And I got done with that. And they were all just like, okay, tell me what I need to do. And my senior pastor comes and says, I need you to do this for the elders because I can't, I can't do it like you did. And I did it for the elders. Tell us what we need to do. And that's, that's how my job has changed now from kids to kids and families. And so really it is get the language behind the vision and the values of why a family ministry next gen approach is a church-wide thing and it does not live in one compartment. That was actually one of my slides in it was that you you cannot have it live in just the kids and the students because then it's not going to impact everybody. But if we are saying that God is calling the church to reach the next generation, then we got to, we got to help them see that. We got to help them yeah. know that. We got to help them see the opportunities, the value, and what can happen. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a, I'm about to start preaching. I'm getting all do, do it. Do it. <laughs> you Man, can tell this I... is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And yes. so, and what I will say is, if they don't listen, you don't give up because mm, this is good. this is what God is calling us to do. So don't give up. Keep on going, keep on praying, keep on pounding down those doors. Yeah. So you developed presentation and went in and slide by slide, this is this is what we want to do and why I want to do it. And mm-hmm. I I think that's so wise because I think there are times when ministry leaders might present something to a senior pastor or whoever their supervisor is. And it might be 70% thought out. Yeah. Or, hey, I had this idea the other day. Mm-hmm. And or I went to a conference and I heard this. It's a really great idea. Right. We should do it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, and, and because of that, they might, they might be told no mm-hmm. and, and feel discouragement in that. And uh, certainly if you get told no a lot, there is discouragement. So I don't, I don't want to invalidate those feelings, but what I would, what I would challenge is think it all the way through, plan it out, develop a professional presentation, because if it matters enough to you to bring it up, it should matter enough to you to put the work in on the front end. Absolutely. And, And you did that. And that's, I love I love that. And I'm, I'm so glad you're in the seat that you are there at your church. And I am, uh, I'm so glad that you are advising us and helping us create something that I think is going to be really awesome for next gen ministries. It really is. It's, it's going to be amazing. Well, Crystal, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, producer Nathan and I will be back in just a moment, but we have so enjoyed having you on today. Thank you for having me. This is, this has been wonderful. I love kids and students. We are in this together. Absolutely are. Hey, I want to take just a second to tell you about our 30 day devotionals for students from Lifeway students. We have all kinds of topics on these Uh, so check those out at lifeway.com slash students and hit the devotional link 
there. But there's devotionals for girls there as well as devotionals for guys, and they are topic-based as well as character of God-based. So search through. There's a bunch of them there. These are really, really amazing devotionals designed to help teenagers get into God's Word day after day. So head over to lifeway.com slash students. Click on the devotional link and you'll see all of the options there. It's a great way to introduce your teenagers to God's word and help them develop the discipline of spending a daily time with him. Nathan, we are back. We are. That's the first time you have been around Crystal, right? Uh, Well, a little bit for Edge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Man, she's amazing. Yes, for sure. She has been so great to get to know and is working like so hard to help us design, uh, design this new project. But, uh, what, what stands out to you from our interview with crystal today? I think right off the bat, I mean, you'd said it too in the podcast right there at the beginning, but I was just really impressed with the thoughtfulness of making sure that your kids ministry leaders, maybe this is the wrong terminology, but aren't left behind when students, you know, graduate and move on and to make sure that it's not shell shock for, for the kids coming up as they jump right into youth group to really take that whole year. I like how she had like a whole year kind of plan and thought out of like how we're going to get whatever your context is, but fifth graders ready for to be sixth graders in student ministry or whatever, wherever that break is, but really how to do that. Cause I mean, she said, she talked about like they start moving into more of a small group model. They started, I mean, it, it was, it's more than just which I think is you're doing nothing of just having the leaders kind of meet them as a good step, but it was a lot more than just having the leaders come down for, for this, that, or the other, you know, a Christmas party or something like that. It was really well yeah. thought out. Yeah. Let's have donut day and we'll all meet each other. And like, that's right. You throw in a parent meeting and that's it. So, yeah. which is better than nothing. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. like dumb, right. I don't want to throw stones at that approach, but there is more. And I think what she articulated Man, it's amazing. Like they change their programming a little bit to mm-hmm. help prepare them for the programming that they're going to experience in student ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, man, you said one of the things that stood out to me too, and that's the leaders being connected and still, you know, going to mm-hmm. check in on them and providing from a student ministry programming perspective, providing opportunities for those leaders to be able to jump in and do some things in student ministry familiar faces for those kids. It doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be every week, but a couple points along the way can make a huge difference in that yeah. relational connection that you're trying to build. Uh, so I'm with you. That was one of the things that that stood out to me as well. Uh, the other one that I was going to mention was what she talked about at the very end with how she approached mm-hmm. that leading up moment. Yes to really launch the strategy that they're putting in place now that she's been working on from her seat mm-hmm. as the director of families for their church. Uh, and it, I mean, it has direct application to, to this moment, but also direct application to any time a student student ministry, we want to present something that is new mm-hmm. or that we would like to to implement into the ministry, like to treat yeah. it like that and do develop a presentation that it's so wise. It's so wise. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was really thinking a lot about that too, because you mentioned it too, but how often do we go to senior pastor, whoever the we report to and be like, I've got this cool idea. Can we just do it and run with it? And they're like, maybe. And I think so often whenever we get that, no, it is that, oh my gosh, they just don't want to move forward. Or they don't want to do all this when like, we may not have even have articulated our idea well, 
We may not have thought through all the details of it. They may be thinking, well, that's going to affect kids in this way and young adults in this way. And that's going to affect small groups on Tuesdays this way. Like they may have, they've got a big picture that they're looking at too. And sometimes, so I loved that. What does it look like to, to make that presentation, to really hammer out the details like if you're passionate about that idea to put it all together in that presentation and talk about like, here's the the time impact, here's the impact on staff, here's the impact on families, here's the impact on the church as a whole, here's where we want to see it five years, 10 years. Like really, because the way she was talking about putting those kids and students together, I mean, you're talking about a lifelong impact and a, an impact on a family for yeah. the duration of their of their kids adolescence that's huge and so to not take that lightly sometimes maybe we do inadvertently take it lighter than it needs to be and we need to show the the seriousness and why we're behind it and then i think that clear concise approach would be probably a whole lot more well received i agree with you totally all right this has been another episode of the student ministry podcast by lifeway we'll see you next time everybody